numerous people who are going to be sharing with us, um, but mostly a guy I'm about to introduce to you who's a great friend of mine, and we're really excited that he's here tonight. Uh, Jesus said this in the book of John. If you have it, you can go there. If not, you can trust me. I'm reading from the Bible. John chapter 20, verse 21. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let me read that one more time. Jesus said, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We chose to call tonight sent because we believe that the Father has sent us. And so if you are a Christ follower in here tonight, we believe that you are sent. You're not waiting to be sent. You're not waiting for Jesus to say, hey, go on this mission trip or be a part of this service project. Jesus has sent you. Where you sit now, you sit as a sent person. And uh, we have some people tonight that are hopefully going to encourage us in our sentness. And uh, one of those guys that's going to call, uh, we've kind of called to be a part of tonight, uh, his name is Patrick Barrett. Why don't you guys show Patrick some love? Uh, Patrick is a good friend of mine and a good friend of a lot of you guys, and he's a Bell Scholzer. That's the right terminology, Bell Scholzer. And uh, he grew up here in the student ministry, the children's ministry. He turned out all right. And uh, he's back here tonight with us all the way from Orlando. He's going to share a little bit about what God's been doing in his life, what uh, God has called him to do. And so I'm not going to take any more of your time, man. Just come on up. Y'all give it up for Patrick. Can I steal this? Charlie, can you hear me? Charlie, don't worry about the water. Okay. So how are you guys doing? Okay. Good. Sorry, I should have prepared beforehand. I'm going to butcher this, whoever this was, whoever this was. All right, if you would, while I'm kind of getting started here, if you would get your Bibles and open them to Romans 9. All right. Did I just hear a yes? Okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, my name is Patrick, and uh, most of you guys know me. And for, for me, I just kind of want to start off by just saying uh, I love you guys. And for me, this is actually very much a family type thing. We're, this is home for me. I grew up, we all, most of us kind of grew up in the same youth ministry. I married the youth pastor's daughter. Uh, I am from here. This is like my blood, my flesh, my bone, all that stuff. And uh, some of you guys, you've kind of been tortured by my camp games. I'm sorry, I, he actually had me a bottle of water. I apologize. Oh. So keep it for yourself. So, uh, okay, yeah, that's good. My camp one. Okay. Uh, some of you guys, I've actually, I mean, some of you guys are older. Where's Josh Shackelford? And Mikey, and some of you guys I've destroyed in pillow fights. Some of you guys I've actually prayed with, prayed for, uh, just really intensely, actually. Uh, some of you guys, like Mark in the back, has invested in me in ways that uh, just are difficult to describe. Uh, Mark discipled me in a lot of ways, uh, taught me to work hard. Um, this is a family thing. Some of you actually even have worn uh, my hand-me-downs, which is funny, because when I was in... T- <laughs> and uh, so some of you, this is like, if that doesn't make us family, then I don't know what does. So this is really... Very much everything I say to you, and in just a second it might get a little bit difficult, but I just want you to understand that everything I say tonight um, has everything to do with the heart of love, okay? Um, and also I know that you guys are really just a wild-eyed group of people, especially college students. I know you guys are really trying to set the trajectory of your lives. 
And I want to challenge you in an appropriate way because I know you're not here to fool around. You guys have a choice to be here, right? I mean, your mommy and daddy's not making you come. And uh, so I want to challenge you appropriately. And also, I know that I'm not the only one that's here. And I know that God, me speaking here right now, what I'm about to do is, is not necessarily the main thing. In fact, I wish I could give all my time to Jim and Sharon Kirk and share about what they're doing in Morocco. Excuse me. Malachi. And uh, so, sorry about that. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I really want to just come and I really want to challenge you. Basically, what I'm going to be doing tonight, I know you're like chomping at the bit, some of you, for Romans 9, is uh, it's not going to be so much of a, like, a, uh, I guess, an explanation and applying a passage. It's going to be more of my testimony. A lot of you have actually taught uh, in Bible studies and, you know, different things. Uh, some of you had in eighth grade. Some of you I had, uh, I guess, even in 12th grade. And so I, I basically what I want to do tonight is give a testimony. And it's, I want to walk you through uh, kind of my interaction personally and my response to some of the things I actually tried to teach you guys. Uh, for those of you that I had, uh, some of the things that I try to present to you as doctrine or, you know, as teaching, uh, I want to share with you and just be kind of transparent about how I interacted with that, my journey with those things, and also my journey with missions. So if that makes sense. Um, that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. I want to start basically by offering like a, a, the kind of my journey with missions with the biblical and the theological part of it. Like what was that feel for me uh, that just sort of woke me up to this idea that God is pursuing his glory among the nations. Uh, so I want to start there because so that, that's where it always starts. That's where it should start. Uh, secondly, I want to walk you through kind of the spiritual side of it. How did I actually respond to that? And it wasn't always pretty. Uh, so, so kind of my spiritual response. And then ultimately, uh, what I want to do is kind of walk you through practically because I'm actually not that much older than you, not no more than 10 years. That's a long time. I'm bald now, which is crazy. But uh, for the most part, I'm actually part of your generation. I would call us kind of the passion generation, you know, the passion conferences. And uh, I was actually at the very first one uh, with Matt was there, Matt and I. And uh, yes. And uh, so we were at the very first one. So we're kind of a product of this kind of whole movement and what I think you've all been exposed to and all this preaching on the glory of God, glory of God, glory of God. I think we've all been kind of exposed to that. I'm part of that. What was my response to that? So that's kind of where I want to go with that. Okay. With that said, before I get chewed out here by all of you uh, Bible gorillas here, Romans 9. Um, I want to pray. Let's pray. Father, we're uh, about to open up to a very difficult passage, and I pray that you would help us to get to the center, to the heart uh, of, of what's going on here in Romans 9. And I, ultimately, I pray that somehow uh, my testimony of how I've interacted with your word uh, would encourage, would serve to encourage tonight, uh, to lift up, to build up, and to strengthen your body. And I pray this uh, in Jesus' name for all of us who are speaking tonight, that we would encourage uh this group of believers here. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen. Okay, uh, before I read it, uh, what I want to do is I want to give you a couple of, of just kind of warnings, all right? Uh, here's what I think about probably males between the age of 18 to 24, okay? You start, you know, I heard kind of the yes, you know, the grunts. 18 to 24, you start getting interest in theology. Here's what I think. I think every male Christian who starts getting, you know, trying to get into theology between the ages of 18 to 24, sometime between there, they should be put in a cage and just kind of set in a cage for just about a year. Let them work it out, give them some cough syrup, whatever. That's what I think. That's all I have to say there. Okay. Biggest thing is that uh, Paul, what's really interesting about, about the book of Romans, as we kind of get into this, is Paul starts the book with this oozing 
like uh, affectionate, loving uh, encouragement to these believers. And what's amazing to me is uh, the way I've kind of handled Romans 9, the way it was introduced to me uh, was that it was in defense of or in opposition to a theological system. I know I'm using these big words. I went to Bible college. I paid good money to use them. So uh, I'm not trying to be like super smart here, but um, to me, the Romans 9 was always used in like this way of like, I'm going to defend a position. I have this position. I'm going to come against you with mine, you know, and it's all about kind of free will, that whole issue. And uh, so I always use that. And the funny thing is, uh, if that's the only way that you've ever thought about Romans 9 or ever used Romans 9 in discussion, and we all have that buddy who comes to us, right, who says, you know, have you ever looked at Romans 9? I mean, I had that buddy and some of you are that person. But, uh, you know, if that's the only way that we've come to Romans 9, then it's a shame on us because what is there is something uh, that is much bigger. And the umbrella, all this teaching in Romans 9 falls under is something much bigger and has actually very little to do ultimately with man's will, just frankly. So if that's you, if Romans 9 is your kicker, then I hope to uh, kind of tear that down. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. You're welcome to be wrong. But let's get to what Romans 9 is uh, ultimately about, what I think. And I'll argue this. Okay. Romans 9, let's start in verse 15. And, and this kind of is referred back to an, an Exodus where Moses said, God, show me your glory. And this was God's response. And Paul is kind of answering this charge of, is there injustice in God's, on God's part? And uh, verse 15, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compa- compassion. And so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And so then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who can resist his will? But who who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will that which is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter uh, no right over the clay to make out of that same lump one vessel for honorable use, one for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? I know that's just tough stuff. Okay. Now, 23, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he prepared hand for glory. What's interesting to me, I I have been... uh, you know, exposed to this in a lot of ways. But like I said, the, the biggest way was all this discussion over man's will. And not one person, not one, ever came to me and hit the heart of what I think is going on here. And that's that happens in verse 17. Let me go back to verse 17. Listen to this. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and listen and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And I don't know how many of you guys have had this Romans 9 discussion, but I don't know how many of you, your discussion kind of revolved around God's glory, God's fame in all the earth. You know, I, that wasn't the way it was for me. Uh, and then finally, after you know, a, a period of time, I started to actually look at it, and I started to think that you know, this is as actually my arguments and all the debates and stuff that I've heard. Uh, it actually has very little to do with that, and what it's about is God's glory among the nations, okay? And that was a perspective for me when I was about 20 years old. Uh, I was a college student um, dating my lovely wife, who I'm now married to. Uh, and I was in, and, you know, and, and kind of getting into being interested in theology and all that stuff. And the discussion always revolved around man's will. And here's the thing that I was, I was kind of hit with. And there's two points I want to make about this, because this is Romans 9, 15 to 23. It's a missionary passage, if it's anything. OK, uh, number one. 
God is sovereign, and by his providence, he's always pursuing his glory among the nations. Okay? God is sovereign, yes, but he's always pursuing his glory. He's always pursuing his fame among the nations. That's what this passage is about. Number two, the glory of God is of more value and worth than a human soul or person's life. Okay? And that was a truth that hit me because that is once once I was kind of open up to Romans nine, this is what it's about. And then I started it's it's really it's all over the place. Okay, let me read just a couple more, okay? Sorry, this this is like the lamest podium ever when you got notes. Okay. Uh, Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. Listen to this. For, mine, for my name's sake, I've, uh, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I might not, might not cut you off. And then, then it goes back, uh, the last verse 11 says, For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. And this is God talking. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And listen over and over again. It's my name's sake, for the sake of my praise, for my own sake, for my own sake. How should my name be profaned? My glory I won't give to another. Okay? Isaiah 43, 6 and 7, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, didn't consider uh, wonderful works, but they rebelled against the Most High at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Psalm 106, 7 and 8. I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profane in the sight of the nations, in whose sight I had brought them out. He's God speaking of Israel. That's Ezekiel 20. Um, now is my soul troubled. And this is Jesus in John 12. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then a voice came down from heaven. I've glorified it and I will glorify it again. And I have like 10 other passages, but you get the point. Here's the point. Once my eyes were kind of open to this, God's pursuing his glory. Okay. It opened up everywhere. It's the testimony of the scriptures. That's what God is doing. God is in the world making a name for himself. He's on a mission, the mission of God. And that is to establish his rule, his kingdom, his reign among all peoples, to push back darkness and to establish his rule, and to make his name famous. That's what it's about. Right. 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 OK, that's what it's about. So for me, that's what I, I had to come to grips with. Um, So once I, I came to grips with the fact that this was the testimony of the scriptures, um, I started to see my life in a different way. And the trajectory of my life started to change. Um, and what I want to do now is I want to show you, uh, I move from, like, that's the biblical basis of everything, every decision I've made in terms of moving towards mission. That's the biblical foundation, right? Now I want to kind of explain to you how spiritually I dealt with that. And the way I want to start that off is some of you, a while back, I taught a Bible study called Missions in the Divine Epic. I'm kind of like an adventure type guy. And epic was like a big word for me for a long time. I taught this Bible study. And for old time's sake, I actually found this video yesterday. Tyler Flores made it. And this video, to me, even like I watched it last night, I was like, let's go. So play that video real quick. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. 
those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadow shall spring, renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Honestly, and the reason why I'm sharing this is not so much uh, as like part of my presentation as much as that video is like it's an expression of my heart because uh, for a long time, I mean, I was such a like I went to Africa. I went to Bible college, went to Africa, spent two months there. I was like the guy that was like chase. I actually have pictures. I was chasing wildebeest like my buddies. They'd be like, there's a giraffe. And so I go chase it and like run out into the bush. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and uh, so that was me. I mean, I was very much like. Uh, and especially like having this understanding that God was pursuing his glory among the nations. You know, for me, I was like sacrifice. Let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's go to the hardest place. Let's reach the hardest people. But what's really interesting now, as someone who is married, 
uh, you look at that video, and what's funny about it is you don't see any of those guys running uh, into battle with a sword in one hand and a two-year-old in the other. Okay, you don't see anybody with a gun and a diaper bag. It just doesn't happen. And so for me now, as a father, um, it's different. The costs have gone way up, right? And what those costs express ultimately is the worth of Christ. And so for me, what I started struggling, you know, and now this has actually been a period in my life as a husband and as a father, because I think people typically think about missionaries are like missionaries are those kind of people who are just like ready to die at any moment, right? I actually love life. I don't want to die. I love my family. I want my daughter. I feel like she deserves a happy life, a peaceful life, right? That's what I feel like. So for me, I actually have reached a breaking point in a lot of ways because. Uh, of the cost, because what it started to seem to me, right, is that God is pursuing his glory. And if you look at the, at the Bible and you look at the testimony of the, of the New Testament, and the scriptures, what's really funny is that the people who pursued the glory of God, who tried to do the glory of God thing, so many people died. So many people got killed. And so I started to look at this and I'm thinking, wait a second. Um, well, the way it seems is God, you're pursuing your glory. Right. And it's all at our expense. It's just it's just became really, really strange to me because I now that I have a child is completely different. Uh, if you're single, young, preach sacrifice, preach suffering, preach it hard. Right. Uh, preach it hard. But there is it's different when you have a family. Um, so for me, what started to take place was I started thinking is that like a, a, a daughter, OK, a little child who's torn limb from limb while her mother watches okay, in agony and horror. If that's done for the sake of this mission, God's mission here on earth, on earth, it's a good thing. If a father who he and his son are burned by Hindu uh, radicals and they're standing around his car screaming, burning up, flesh is, the burning flesh is starting to fill the, like the stench of, of this block, you know, the, the city block. And they're screaming with rage and joy at what they've done to these people. If that's done for, the, for this purpose, to this end, for this mission, then that's a good thing. I hope you're seeing how bizarre this is. If, uh, if a father loses his life and a wife is left as a widow or uh, another, a husband has to watch his wife raped repeatedly in front of his eyes, like uh, these are things that are happening. And for me as a family, I have a good enough imagination and it no longer was uh, suffering just kind of mysteriously. It became me. It became my wife. It became my daughter. And that's when it started to change for me. And I, I started to freak out a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, there were times where literally one time I was literally laying in bed and uh, I was with my parents and my, my wife and I we were with my parents and I was laying in bed uh, just trembling in fear. And my mother, my mom, and I'm, I'm a married husband, man, I want to be a missionary, adventure, epic, all this stuff. And here I am laying in my bed, trembling in fear, and my mother is reading Psalms over me. Okay? Um, it's no longer a joke. It's, the sacrifice and the cost are real. Um, so they started to mount quickly and I became more, and it really, like I said, became more than I could really bear. And then the radical nature of the gospel call started to hit me. The radical nature, when Jesus tells us that, uh, in comparison, this is like, uh, it's, it's the language is in comparison, uh, to my love for God, it should look like I hate my children. And my daughter is two years old. And I tell you, she's the most beautiful thing. If I have a black eye a little bit right now, that was from her, but she's, she's, she's unbelievable. Um, and so my love for God in comparison to my love for my children should look like hatred. And so that started to become real for me. I have seven minutes and I'm going to wrap up quickly. Um, and so, like I said, what it started to look like for me was that God was pursuing his glory and it was coming at my expense. 
or our expense or the church's expense. You look, you just, I, I, was, I had it all prepared, but if you look throughout the New Testament, you find this. You look at Hebrews 11. Look at Hebrews 11. They were sawn in two. They were uh, running around in caves. They didn't have homes. Look at Jesus. Look at Paul. That's the testimony of the scriptures. That's our legacy. That's our legacy. And so, again, like I said, at, at our expense. And what, what finally started to hit me was at the end of Romans 8. And I want to read this to you. Um, because I think Paul addresses exactly what I'm wrestling with in Romans 8. And here's what he said. Because this is what it looks like. Paul is saying, look at verse uh, 36, Romans 8. He says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. Right? We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's what it looks like to Paul. He's looking around. All these people are dying. And he says, look, it looks like we are just sheep to be led to the slaughter. And that's my question. It seems like it's at our expense. We're just sheep led to the slaughter. We're going out for the sake of your name. We're going out for your glory. And here we are, everybody, uh, not everybody, but there's a lot of suffering and people are dying. Mothers, fathers, people are being slaughtered. Right. And so it looks like it's at our expense. But then look at verse 37 says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Okay? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And God has so united us who are in Christ to to the pursuit of his fame, right? So it's not, nothing is separated. God has united us in Christ, pursuit of his fame, so that, in other words, if we fail, his glory fails, right? And his glory cannot fail. So we are assured that wherever we go in the world, whatever darkness we press into, wherever we try to extend the kingdom, God's rule in a dark place, wherever we go, we can be assured that God's purpose will never fail because he'll never let his glory fail. And that was something that I'm still fleshing out. It's not something I have figured out. It's something I'm still working on. In the next four minutes. I want to get to the practical things, okay? Uh, For me, what are the practical things that I've kind of done to move my life towards missions? Uh, First, uh, I dropped, I was pursuing a degree at Palm Beach Atlanta University. I dropped everything I was doing, uh, gave up my scholarship, uh, and I went to Bible college, and I studied missions. And I had to basically start all over again, but to me it was worth it. Um, I gave up a professional baseball career. I was playing baseball. I gave up my baseball. I'm just kidding. I'm totally lying. You guys, yeah, you guys are, yeah. If you believe, I know it's tough. To, I know you, you believe me. I look like a baseball player. Okay. Actually, I led my high school team in one category, and that was strikeouts. And that's not a lie. How, how I got to college was amazing. Okay. So I went to Bible. Putt, putt. Uh, I went to Bible college, and here's the thing. I honestly saved myself. And this is practical stuff, okay? I saved myself probably 10 years of mistakes just by going to school, just by learning from people who had, who had gone before me. And so if you're, if you're wrestling, you know, you're thinking about a call of missions, prepare. Go to school if you can. Uh, okay, moving quickly. Um, for me, I prayed. I just prayed. I was like, God, help me. Uh, I didn't know where, where in the world we were going to go. Didn't know uh, what part of the world we would end up, and I prayed. Uh, and then I started moving in the direction of Arabs, and I prayed, God, if you want us to reach Arabs, uh, this is about two years ago. God, if you want Melly and I to reach out to Arabs and bring them into our life now, because we don't know where they are. We don't, we don't know who to contact. We, it's, they're just not everywhere. We don't know. So help us. A week later, my mom calls. She says, we're having an international student over for dinner. And this is where I hope Joe comes in. Uh, she says, we're having an international student over for dinner. And I just laughed. And I thought, his name's going to be Muhammad or something. And his name was Muhammad. He, he, was from, he was from Saudi Arabia. And Melly and I had the opportunity to reach out to him. 
And it was amazing. And also, when we moved to Orlando, we got to Orlando, God help us, and we want to reach out to the Arabs. Our neighbors were Egyptian, and they were Muslims. And my wife is phenomenal. Uh, she has reached out to this couple um, and pursued them. It's amazing the relationship that they have. Uh, excuse me. So, uh, and also, this is amazing, too, is we've joined an Arab con- congregation. So for me, like singing in English was weird, and I'm not even overseas yet. Uh, so we've joined. We've gotten our lives plugged into a guy. There, there's a guy I meet with him twi- at least twice a week. His name's John, and he's constantly explaining to me, uh, if you're going to go, go hard. He actually came to me just about two weeks ago, and he said, you know, I'm a little concerned about you because you go to the beach. I went to the beach with some friends. Uh, I went to Missouri to see my brother, and he's like, you go to the beach, you go to Missouri, and I'm just concerned that, you know, and basically what he was telling me in his way was you're soft. And uh, I'm like, you don't understand all the things I've sacrificed and all this stuff. And he is just like in my face, uh, and and he was from Lebanon. And in 2006, when Israel decided to bomb the Pukachu out of uh, Beirut, he lives downtown. And uh, he was flown out, vacked out by the U.S. military. And uh, he's preached the gospel to Hezbollah, all this crazy stuff. And this guy is sitting here telling me, you have no idea what you're about to face. Get ready. Go hard. Uh, so that, that's one of the things that God has answered my prayer because I need that. I think I'm like this adventure. I have no clue. Uh, um, so I know i got to wrap up here. Um, this is the way I want to wrap up. I know that's kind of practical things. If you want to talk to me about just practical stuff, please come see me afterwards because I have, I'm actually driving home to Orlando tonight. But uh, I would literally love to sit down with some of you who are just kind of wrestling with this. And actually, for someone, I have a book that I'd like to give you. I'm a book person. So I have a book. I've read a couple chapters, and it's very good stuff on kind of the missionary call. Here's how I want to close, uh, and then I'll be done because I want you guys to hear from the Kirks and from Joe and from the other uh, people who are sharing. Um, guys, honestly, like when I talk about all this stuff, uh, I don't want to magnify kind of the suffering aspect of it because, I mean, honestly, God forbid that we ever come to this place, okay, and think that we're not doing something risky or dangerous here. I mean, God help us if that's where we've come to. I mean, what's interesting is the legacy that we have. Uh, I don't know if how many of you remember, you guys grew up in the point. What's written up on, on the side of the point? Anybody remember? What's the quote? Does anybody know who it's from? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, do you remember that quote? If any man... He bids him come and die. You don't remember that? Okay, Bonhoeffer. Oh, man. Okay, here's the thing. This is what Victor, especially, too, and what the youth ministry has put before you is a legacy of people. You know what Bonhoeffer did? He actually was involved in a plot to kill Hitler. He was persecuted. He was thrown in prison for the sake of the gospel. And these are kind of the people that we're saying, emulate. Look, be like them. And so what I don't want to do is magnify that whole suffering, pursue suffering. And here's my thing, is pursue Christ, pursue Jesus. Uh, but so... In closing, uh, for some of you, uh, uh, look at me, guys. For some of you, uh, you're really wrestling. You know, for some of you, you're like, that's my life. Uh, you know, maybe God is calling me to the nations. And here's what I want to say for those of you uh, who you're in that position is uh, a lot of times we think being like Jesus is, you know, being passive or being nice or being friendly. And I don't think you're ever more like Jesus than when you're willing to say, right? You're willing to say my life or theirs. Ultimately, that's what Jesus did. He was a man of sorrow. He was acquainted with grief. And if you're willing to say that, my life are there. It's not just my death, but my dreams, all my plans to live in America, all that stuff, pursuing, uh, you know, whatever, family, picket fence, all that junk, right? Stuff that is not going to last. I'm willing to push that aside and say my life, uh, maybe my death for theirs, right? If that's you, then honestly, I would love to talk to you after after we're done. But um, 
Pursue Christ. Don't pursue suffering and all the stuff that we talked about. Pursue Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you uh, for the opportunity just to share. And uh, Father, I thank you for the things that you've done in my heart, in my life, in the life of my wife, in the life of my daughter. And Father, I pray for those who are coming after me. I ask that you would give them passion. And I pray for these students here tonight, as they listen to us, that, that you would stir in them the movement that is going and the rush of the gospel to the darkest parts of this world. And I pray that they would join the movement of the gospel to the unreached. And I pray this in Jesus' name for his glory.